Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Market View. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and it's Market Wrap of the Week. Let's just first take a look at how the STI is faring at the moment. Taking a look at the SGX website, the Straits Times Index is up a little above the flat line, up 0.01% at 3,203 points. Advancers, though, are leading the pact, 249 to decliners at 204, after 626 million securities worth 381 million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. Now, without further ado, let's invite Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX, to find out how the STI performed this week. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back. Thanks, Hongbin. Thank you for joining me today. So, mm. Jeff, it seems like the STI had opened in the red this morning. Yeah. Before I called you, I saw the STI at around 0.09%. Now it's a little closer to the flatline at 0.01%. How did the STI perform this week? So we pretty much tracked the region, in fact, the world. So yeah. the STI is down 2.3% on the week so far. And it's returned back to these levels that we spent a long time at, a good three weeks at, between the end of August and the first two weeks of this month, around these 3,200 levels. Mm. We did see a pretty fairly quick decline because we were around the mid to high 3,280 levels back on Monday. And really followed those FOMC expectations. The expectations really changed more in the long term. Like you said before, it's high for longer and there was no real change to expectations for rate hikes before 2024, but it was during 2024 that we saw expectations more from a month ago. Mm -hmm. We were pricing in 100 basis points of cuts next year, but that has been trimmed quite a bit to maybe only 50 basis points of cuts or 75 basis points of cuts next year only. So what this does is it has a pretty big impact on the US and by extension the world because mm. the US is obviously the world's biggest economy. It also contributes around 30% of global consumer expenditure. Mm. So if you have these long-term tighter financial conditions, you basically are constricting growth. And that's basically what the majority of the Asia stock markets really have snapped into their prices this week. Right. The S&P 500 futures, they began the Asia week around let's say around 4,500 and they didn't really stay it all didn't happen post FOMC it was all mm-hmm. throughout the week so it only got up to around 4510 for those first three consecutive nights of the week and then pretty quickly uh, came away after the FOMC it was down to around 4430 this mm-hmm. time yesterday and now it's down around 4380 so it's continued to decline last night so that's down around 2.7% for the US equity benchmark now not just U.S. equities is important, but also your cross-asset flows. So that can compound the impact that you have in Asia equities. So when you had the U.S. dollar index also through last week's high at around mm-hmm. 105.50 and U.S. 10-year yields now testing 4.5%, that obviously has a little bit of a risk-off impact across all of the Asian assets. Right, right. Then who were the biggest movers on the STI this week? On the downside, Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust mm-hmm. down 4.6%, UOL Group down 4.4, Capital Land Integrated Commercial down 4.1 and Keppel Corp down 3.9. So you can mm-hmm. see a little bit of an infrastructure slash real estate yeah. theme there. And then on the upside, the stocks that did 
spark the trend. DFI Retail Group, mm-hmm. which is North Asia and China, Yangtze Jiang Shipbuilding, Emperor and Singtel. Singtel, a little bit of corporate action to discuss. Mm-hmm. Emperor and DFI Retail Group, part of the overall value chain of food and beverage provision. And mm-hmm. that actual part of the market has been one of the more resilient segments in mm-hmm. recent weeks. Yangtze Jiang Shipbuilding, of course, benefits from the outlook of a higher US dollar to the renminbi because its older book is majority US dollars and then its costs, of course, are in renminbi. Okay, okay. And you mentioned Singtel just now. Let's dive in a little deeper there. I mean, it announced that it's selling a 20% stake in its Southeast Asia data center business to global investment firm KKR for 1.1 billion Singapore dollars. Jeff, I mean, what benefits does this have on Singtel and how has it impacted the telco's share price this week? It's interesting, right? When you look at Southeast Asia and these big mega themes, digitalization is one of them. The need for collaboration across corporations is also really important. And of course, US is the world's biggest investor into mm-hmm. ASEAN at the moment. And this marks the first collaboration between Singtel and this US-based leading global investment company, which is mm-hmm. KKR. Now, given Southeast Asia's data center market is going to grow supposedly by around 17% over the mm-hmm. next five years, which outpaces the rest of the world at 12%. You've got your clear and simple case for KKR's Asia infrastructure. It's got a segment taking this 20% stake. Mm-hmm. KKR will also have an option to increase the stake to 25%, I think in four years or so at a pre-agreed valuation. So mm-hmm. KKR, as you said, is committing $1.1 billion US, but the AUM of this investment firm, it's pretty high. It's in mm. the vicinity of $520 billion US dollars. For Singtel, what the collaboration does is provide access to this wider network of global customers, and it also enables Singtel to tap into KKR's network of companies that develop new data center cooling technologies. Now, mm-hmm. this has been marked pretty important for Singtel for a while. So Bill Chang's the CEO of Singtel's digital Infraco segment. Mm-hmm. He highlighted six weeks ago at the August Investor Day mm-hmm. that energy constraints did represent a key challenge and yet an opportunity for this industry. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that high carbon footprint issues that data centers have and obviously the need to improve efficiency and this transition to the green energy sources. And he did add that Digital Infraco did aspire to be the leading green and sustainable DC data center service provider with the best interconnectivity in the region. And he mentioned that maintaining a diverse customer base was among its differentiation factors that it had in place to basically be a winner in this competitive market. So basically what the press release had said was very much in line with what the company has been saying in its aims and objectives, particularly for its digital infrastructure for quite some time. So what we did see in Mm -hmm. terms of the share price is Singtel's share price over the first four sessions of the week was actually up 1.3% to $2.43. But at the same time, your broader Asia-Pacific telcos were down around seven-tenths of a percent. And as we said before, your S&P 500's down around 2.7%. Mm-hmm. At the same time, New York Stock Exchange listed KKR. Its share price is down around 4% in Singapore dollar terms this week. And that hasn't been as defensive as the Dow Jones US Financials Index, which was down 2%. So mm-hmm. interesting too, Singtel did book the most net institutional inflow across the Singapore stock market over the first four sessions of the week. It booked around 34 million Sing of net insti inflow, while the rest of the market booked about 190 million of net insti outflow. Mm-hmm. 
And I also want to talk about Capital Land Investment. I mean, they announced this week as well that its regional private fund acquired a logistics property in South Korea for 112 million Singapore dollars. And that's bringing the number of South Korean assets under CLI's portfolio to 13. What does it say about the South Korean market? And why does Capital Land find it so attractive? You can answer that. <laughs> I can. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> so it's a high specs logistics property. There's two four-story buildings. Mm-hmm. Why attractive? It is strategically located in an emerging logistics hub. I know the names. I can read the names, but I can't <laughs> say the names. Okay, so I won't embarrass myself <laughs> again. It's very well served by infrastructure. So primary mm-hmm. expressways for these properties do have access to Seoul and the greater Seoul area. Mm -hmm. And there's also a new expressway, I think, being built, which is expected to be completed next year, which further boosts these logistic properties' accessibility. The head of career for Capital Land Investment Mm -hmm. is Matthew Son, and he did note the acquisition, importantly, was at an attractive price. Mm. And he thinks that the onshore logistics property there in South Korea, the supply will moderate Mm -hmm. significantly in the midterm, and that's based on rising construction costs, project financing challenges, and tighter development restrictions. So that's another attractive aspect of it. I think there was another CLI executive as well, Capital Mm -hmm. Land Investment Executive, who added that demand for quality logistics facilities in South Korea is robust and is also being benefited by the accelerating e-commerce growth. Mm, I see, I see. Now let's go back to Singapore here. Singapore Post, they introduced a significant spike in its rates for the first time in nearly 10 years. So just to recap here, starting October 9th, the standard regular mail rates will jump by 65% from $0.31 cents to $0.51. Cents. I mean, after Singapore introduced this spike, I believe Singapore shares did surge, right? Yeah, I mean, the company has cited that it, rapidly rising costs and declining mail volumes mm-hmm. have been the catalyst for the decision. Yeah. And SingPost is also, I guess, if you look at what they've been reporting and dating in, in recent months, mail volumes, I think, have fallen by something like more than 40% in its last financial full year versus, let's say, four or five years ago in 2018 and 2019. So that's a pretty significant volume mm-hmm. fall. And the last time it did these increment rate changes, I think it was in 2014 when it raised it from 22 cents to 30 cents. So it was very much expected because the annual reports and recent earnings reports and so forth have been hinting at this. Just trying to pull this stock up now. Yeah, 51.5 cents at the moment, which is up from 49 cents at the end of last week. We also have Neo that I wanted to talk about, the Chinese EV maker. They are now raising 1 billion US dollars in a two-trench convertible bond, saying that it intends to use the proceeds to pay down debt and strengthen its balance sheet. The Singapore-listed of NEO that fell by 10% on Wednesday, shortly after the announcement. How are they faring now? And I believe NEO has also announced yesterday that they're unveiling a new mobile phone. Is that changing investor sentiment? Yeah, look, it, the stock is a really big mover. Yeah. So it's at US $8.64 at the moment. And for context, that's down from above $15 in early August. Mm. But still, 
back to those June levels. So trading activity is actually quite strong for the stock. The stock ranks mm-hmm. among our top 50 by trading turnover because it does move so much. Mm-hmm. The smartphone, the high-end smartphone, is actually designed to be used with its EVs, its mm-hmm. electronic vehicles. So for the EVs, while the company mentions it's not just a car builder per se, a car producer, it does provide a number of added services, lifestyle mm-hmm. aspects of electronic vehicles and so forth. So still, it did deliver, I think it was more than 19,000 vehicles in August, and that's that was an 80% year-on-year increase. Mm-hmm. I think the total number of vehicles that NEO has delivered is now getting closer to 400,000, so a little over 380,000. And look, the company does aim to differentiate itself, as I said, with its lifestyle aspects of electronic vehicles, mm-hmm. and that's obviously where the phone is coming from. Right. It also has a lot of has a history of making some pretty interesting technology breakthroughs, mm-hmm. like the battery swapping technologies, battery as a service, mm-hmm. and a lot number of proprietary autonomous driving technologies. So it's always been seen as, as a growth company in the emerging EV space in China. Mm-hmm. And thus, as it matures, obviously, it looks to raise more capital. And in this instance, it was in the form of a two-tranche convertible. Mm, okay, I see. I see. Well, now I want to move on to some economic news. We started this week off with Singapore's non-oil domestic exports, which fell for the 11th consecutive month of contractions. Uh, Jeff, what will it take for Singapore's Nodex fortunes to turn around? It will take a few things, mm-hmm. mainly electronics, mm. because Nodex has really been in contraction since October last year. Mm. And those contractions, they've ranged from 25% year-on-year contractions in January this year to an 8% contraction in March. Mm-hmm. Just like July, August Nodex contracted 20% year-on-year. The outlook for trade across the region is also very important because what did actually bode better mm-hmm. for these recent August numbers was that Taiwan exports... They've also been in contraction since September last year, and its contraction in August at 7% was the narrowest contraction since October of last year. Mm -hmm. So that that was a good sign. And I think the South Korea-August trade contraction as well was the fourth narrowest since its exports Mm -hmm. tipped into contraction the same time as Singapore exports tipped into contraction in October last year. So as I said, electronics is a key part. If you look over the last three months, our Nodex in Singapore, it's been averaging 14 billion Singapore dollars every month. And Mm. around $3 billion of that is actually contributed by electronics. Mm. By comparison, before we went into contraction, you had around $17 billion of monthly Nodex and electronics contributed around $4 billion of that. So Mm. economists are saying that despite near-term headwinds, the medium-term prospects, obviously, for electronics does remain favourable, underpinned by tech developments that we've talked about a few, like 5G mobile phones, industrial electronics, Internet of Things, Industry 4, and so forth. And I think what it does take is for investors to really put more of an eye on the recovery of semiconductors in 2024 mm-hmm. and less of an eye of the inventory glug that's really epitomised a lot of 2023. Mm-hmm. So far this year, we've seen AEM decline around 2% in total total return. UMS is up 9%. Franken's up 15% in total return. Consensus target price for, let's have a look at AEM, is at $3.50 mm-hmm. and the stock's at $3.31 yesterday. For UMS here, it's closer to its consensus target price from Refinitiv, which is at around $1.28 and the stock was at $1.25 at the close yesterday. And then Franken is just a little over its consensus target price of 102 
In some other news as well, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, they announced higher capital requirements on two big-to-fail insurers, including AIA, Income Insurance, Prudential, and Great Eastern. Yeah. Jeff, can you explain these requirements and what MAS hopes to achieve yeah. by imposing them? I'll try to be as brief as possible. Basically, your MAS is looking to strengthen the resilience of okay. Singapore's financial sector. So it does maintain such high requirements for a number of banks here as well. Yeah. And from next year, these four insurers, they have been branded as systematically important to Singapore. Mm-hmm. So the quartet will face a 25% capital add-on mm-hmm. to increase their higher and lower to supervisory intervention levels. Mm-hmm. And then it's also going to look at add-ons to common equity tier one and tier one capital requirements. So mm-hmm. really the central banks has to engage the four on recovery planning and look to bolster the insurer's ability to restore its financial strength and viability in the periods of distress. Mm, I see, I see. Will they have any effect on the share price? Well, generally, no. There hasn't really been much. This is all part and parcel of building resilience in the system Mm. and, so to speak, making extra provisions and just ensuring that we are as resilient as possible. I see, I see. Well, before we let you go here, Jeff, is there anything else investors should be looking out for next week? Yeah, absolutely. So very importantly, next week will be inflation, okay? Mm. So that will be in Singapore, mm-hmm. and I think we're expected to be around 35 to 3.8%. Mm. And then the week will also end with inflation, PCE deflator, in the US on Friday night. Now, we can mm-hmm. talk about that more on Friday because this is the core <laughs> measure that the Fed like to follow. Yep. We've also got our industrial production yep. numbers, which will be really important. And then on the dividend front and the reporting front, not so much. Mm-hmm. But as we saw this week with Singtel, Capital N, etc., we'll keep an eye on corporate announcements. I see, I see. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff. That's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Hongbin. Thank you, as always. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Market View, and it is Market Wrap of the Week with Jeff Howie. So stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.